to Coffee with Kim, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is a pleasure whenever you come in, stop by, grab your coffee or your tea, and just sit back and relax and enjoy the conversation. Well, we had part one uh, of the last week's podcast that was about relationship trauma, how to make it back. And so Of course, I have my awesome, wonderful companion, my husband, my lover, my friend. He was with me in part one. And guess what? He's back for part two. And so uh, during our last podcast together, we talked about dealing with uh, infidelity and making it back from traumatic experiences in your marriage. Did we say it was easy? No. And I think at some point I talked about, you know, please don't, don't, think that because we're happy and we're doing well now that it was always like this. No, we had a lot of struggles. We did a lot of work. And um, through all of that, God blessed us and we made it through. Hmm. Now, let me say this. Restoration of relationships, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I do believe that relationships should have the opportunity to be restored if there's something broken. Um, But let me say this too. Every relationship is not going to make it. And, you know, as much as I have faith, as much as I believe God and I believe in marriage, I know that there are just some couples out there that are just, they're not going to be able to to put in the work to recover. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, you, it's not for the faint at heart. It's not for the faint of heart. When you get into restoring your marriage, restoring your relationship, especially coming back from trauma, from a traumatic experience in the relationship, um, you, you really have to put your, your big boots on, you know, and get to working. And so that's what we did. We did. We worked. And let me just tell you a little bit about how I worked. Yes, it was difficult. It was hard. And I was really having a hard time of it um, as related to me. I think I said before that uh, I was dealing with making a decision about my relationship based on uh, what other people thought about me. I was trying to make a decision about my relationship based on Um, what other people's opinions were of my relationship. And so I think once I kind of broke through that barrier, um, broke through and got past that, um, I was able to make a clear decision on what was best for me and what was actually what was best for us. And I think once we got to that, what was best for us, I think that's when we were able to put the work in. Until then, we couldn't. I, I have to tell you a funny story. <laughs> we we tried a couple counselors, <laughs> two or three actually. And I remember this one couple that we were counseling with, um, bless their hearts. They really, they really did do their best, but they I don't think they were equipped to deal with what we were dealing with. So we met them at a restaurant. Um was we were going to have a, our initial counseling session. And keep in mind, at this time, everything was fresh, brand new. And so I had a, a, a level of anger that was from one to 10. It was probably about a 17. So at that time, 
I didn't want to see, talk, deal with him. I didn't want to ride in the same car with him. I was just mad. And but nonetheless, we got in the same car because we were thinking, hey, we want to try and, and, and restore and, and save our marriage. So we get to the restaurant, the couple's there, and we sit down and we start talking and they, you know, talk to us about marriage and what that's all about. And they talk to us about this other subject matter about us being kings and queens and him being my king and me being his queen. And in my mind, I was thinking probably some things that uh, I shouldn't have been thinking. <laughs> However, one of the things I can tell you that I was thinking was word, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, they just kept talking and talking. And then they were giving us examples of how we should communicate with each other. Well, ma'am and sir, we were well past that. <laughs> And so he was saying, oh, honey, that is a beautiful color on you. And she said, oh, you look great in that green shirt. It looks so, you know, and these are the things that we should be telling each other. And I'm like, so finally I said, you know what? He's not my king and I'm mad. And what color shirt he has on really does not matter to me right now. I'm hurting and I need help. And, um, you know, we went on and I think at that point they felt like, OK, let's just kind of um, end this session. Right. Because <laughs> I think that lady is mad. Did you leave the table? I thought you left the table. Well, I yes, I did. I left right. the table. But I left the table just in time because I told him some time later, I told him when we could talk to each other, actually, I told him, I said, I had to go. I had to leave because in my mind, I saw myself. No, I, I wasn't going to cuss. I saw myself getting up, stepping. We were sitting in a booth. I saw myself getting up, stepping on the seat, stepping on top of the table and stepping off the table and walking out the door. <laughs> that was what I envisioned myself doing. So not to make a spectacle of myself and, and, and the couple and, and you. I was like, let me go. Yeah. Let me go. And so we did. We stopped. And I think we met with them one more time. And I just said, they're not a good fit for us. They're they're just not a good fit. Then we tried another another uh counselor and he wasn't a good fit, you know, not to even go into details, but he wasn't a good fit for us, you know. And then at that point, I think I was so desperate. I was so desperate to find someone to make this work. And I had um, found this beautiful woman of God who um, I will leave. Uh, she will remain unnamed, but she was having a conference and, you know, she had been talking about hurt and pain and marriage and different things like that. So I went to her conference and I really did. I got I got a, a like a second wind. I felt like, okay, I can do this. I, I can go further. And so um, after I did that, then we found this counselor. Now, this man was the total opposite of everything we thought we were supposed to have in a counselor. He was Caucasian. He was this, this little old guy. And he had one time he had been a pastor and he had been married and he had lost everything due to the same things, same things that we were dealing with. And so 
he, this man helped us more than anyone, anyone. He told us the truth. Mm -hmm. He told us, you know, he gave us timelines on how, how we felt, what we felt. He, he dealt with me and and my self-esteem and, and reassuring me of some things. And then he dealt with some deep issues, you know, on my husband's Mm -hmm. part. And, um, and I'll let him talk about that, you know, but it was amazing. And the way this man did counseling was just amazing because he definitely counseled couples who were in ministry. And so, you know, when you're a couple in ministry and, and you're dealing with a situation like this, it's, you, you can't just go to any counseling center somewhere and just get the help that you need, you know. And so he he would make himself available like in the evenings late where his office was uh, located was very, um, it wasn't obvious, you know, and, and so he really made it a very comfortable situation. And so that was the blessing. That was a blessing that we, we had a counselor, we did the work. And then on top of that, the man even came to our ministry and talked to the people Mm -hmm. that were left there at the ministry and assured them that we were doing the work oh, that it took. That. He yeah, did. he came. He talked to the people and told them that, you know, you should be very proud of your pastor and your pastor's wife. They are doing the work. They're doing the work that it takes, you know, to mend their marriage and mend their relationship. And so I was I was so grateful to him for that. But like I said, he dealt with my self-esteem. That was the part that I was broken at that point. I was broken. And so he dealt with that. He helped me in that area. But then he helped my husband in, a, in another area. And I'm sure he'll, you know, talk just a bit yeah. about that. Well, on his last segment, you, this part we didn't actually touch. I don't think we did. What did you learn during that experience? Pain, difficult situation. I want to just say a little bit about that if I can. Just a little bit. Okay. I learned that I was selfish. Mm. I'm done. <laughs> okay. My husband uh, pointed out a great point that there was a, a, a part that we didn't deal with the last in the last podcast. And so we're dealing with it now. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring out or ask both of us, what did we learn during our experience, you know, during that traumatic time, um, during that hard, difficult, yeah. painful time? I was selfish and self-centered. It was about me. It wasn't mm. about family. Like mm-hmm. That's why I wasn't prepared to be mm. a husband. Or you say I was always a good father, but I feel like I had some areas I could really improve in and do better. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it it was selfishness. Okay. And if I had for me to answer that question, what did I learn? I learned that I am courageous, that I have courage. I never felt like I had courage, not that kind of courage. And um, I think once, like I said, once I got past the barriers of what other people were thinking and what they were saying, um, I, I learned that I had courage and I had enough courage in me to restore my marriage and restore my relationship to my husband. And not just that, but to to help with the healing process for my children and not just my children, but help with the healing process for the people in my church. I'll never forget a, a lady came up to me one day because, I mean, we did the things we thought we were supposed to do. 
we sat down for a for a season. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't minister. We allowed other people to come in and minister because we felt like we were the ones that broke the situation. So we need others to come in and help. Didn't want to bleed all over the people. Didn't want to bleed all over the people. And so um, this lady came up to me. We had came to the church to visit one Sunday because we weren't even coming to church. And when she saw me, she came up to me and she said, oh, I'm so happy to see you. She said, you know, people are saying this and that. She said, I don't really care what they're saying. All I know is we love you and we need you. And I'll be so glad when you come back. And I knew at that moment, (laughs) God, I got to get it together. People need me. People need me. Little old me, first lady. Wasn't really even preaching at that time per se, Mm -hmm. but people need me. So apparently God had placed something in me that other people needed. And I had to get myself together so that I can make sure that those people got what they needed. Mm -hmm. And so that I'll never forget that that blessed me. And that lady is still in our life to this day, you know? And so I, um, that was what I, I learned during that time that I had the courage, I had the wherewithal, I had the stamina, I had the ability to do the work that it was going to take to repair the marriage. Now, let me say this. It was difficult. It was difficult. There are times I cried. There are times I screamed. There are times, like he said, I sped off in the car. <laughs> You know, there were times I didn't come straight home from work because I just needed to go somewhere and do something other than come home and just explode. You know, so I went to bookstores and I looked for books and I did all kinds of things where I could help myself heal. I was looking for healing. You know, I wasn't looking for, you know, us to look like this perfect couple that, you know, oh, we're okay. You know, there's nothing wrong. I was really and truly looking for a way for me to heal. And I knew that if I healed, my children would heal. Mm. And I and I knew that. And I knew that it was on me. You know, I really didn't think about it being on him. He had his own healing to deal with, but he also had a certain level of embarrassment that he was dealing with, you know? And so I knew he had to deal with that and get that together for himself. But I knew that my children were watching me and they were looking at me and they were noticing me and they were, every move I made, you know, it it was under scrutiny. And so I knew I had to do whatever it took to get that together. So yeah, that, that's what I learned. Now, let me say this, let me segue into the actual part of part two that we wanted to talk about. And that is forgiveness. Forgiveness was a big part of making it back from that relationship trauma, a huge part. And so when I tell you, I thought, and you, and you can say what you, what you're thinking about forgiveness, but when I, what I thought I knew about forgiveness, (laughs) I did not know. I did not know. Forgiveness, I learned forgiveness on a whole nother level. Forgiveness, you know, I think in 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 that time, at that time, forgiveness was for me was okay, this person is sorry, you know, they're saying they're not gonna do it anymore. You know, okay, I'm getting over it. 
But I had to dig deep into the deep parts of who Kim is and what Kim is about and what Kim thinks that she deserves, you know, in order to be able to forgive William. We're not talking about co-pastor or first lady and and bishop or or um, I don't think you were bishop at the time. Yeah. Pastor. I'm talking about two human beings, two individuals a man and a woman who were so deeply hurt and affected by something that we had to dig deep within ourselves and we had to empty out and see, that's the part, you know, when you're dealing with forgiveness and you need to forgive, sometimes you got to empty out, you got to empty out all the ugliness and forgiveness will cause you to look at yourself because, you know, if I'm going to, for if, if I'm going to forgive someone else, then there are some areas of myself that I need to forgive. And so I had to dig deep into those areas. Okay, what about Kim do you need to forgive? What areas, you know, do you need to forgive Kim? Well, I knew that I needed to to forgive Kim for not um, doing the things that she knew she should have done in, in her marriage to make things work, for not speaking up when she should have spoke up and not being honest about certain things. I had to forgive Kim because when you're dealing with a situation like this, you start blaming yourself and you start looking at you and, and, you know, where you came up short. I had to forgive myself for those areas because I did come up short. I came up short in a lot of areas. You know, there were things I was not honest about and I had to forgive Kim for those things. So I had to empty out, had to empty myself out so that I can forgive me and then I can have room to forgive him. So forgiveness, basically releasing another person, how they offended you, where they overstepped, how they crossed the line. Well, like I said, I had to forgive Kim so that I could then turn and look at William, not Bishop, not pastor, you know, not the father of my children, but William, the man and really forgive him and learn to love him on a whole different level. So you said you had to forgive yourself first? I did. I had to forgive me first. I had to dig deep. deep. I had to forgive me first because I blamed myself for a lot. Mm. I blamed myself Mm. for a lot, you know? And so because I blamed myself, I had to forgive myself. Can I read the one quote? Sure. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Yeah, I was, I was the prisoner. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had to set myself free. Yeah, we both had to take our own fault in it, though I was, if you will, the public enemy number one <laughs> that messed up, that crossed the line. But we both, you know, had to take our, the counselor helped us see it took more than just one person for that offense to happen. It wasn't, and, and honestly, I don't know if it made me feel any better then, you know, now it's looking back retrospectively like, wow, okay, that is kind of deep, you know, because uh, I don't care if a person's on drugs or whatever they're doing, you can become a codependent in what people do mm-hmm. or help aid in a bed what they're doing. And I really didn't see it as that at first. I just, I was ready to take the whole thing on, period. <laughs> I messed up, I blew it, you know, but it takes two to tangle and no matter what, you know, happens and, I just thank God that we stand from a position of strength from it now. Yes. We're not, I'm not blaming you. You're not blaming me. No. We're not blaming each other. You know, we moved on and 
you know, it's, the situation is just much better than what it could have turned out. Mm, yeah. And I think, too, it kind of goes back to that question that I asked to my daughters and, and they were they were kids. You know, they were young. And I we, I can remember clearly where we were. We were in the drive through at Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and I turned around and I asked them, do you think I'm weak? You know, and they both told me, no, not at all. We think you're the strongest, the, one of the strongest women we know and, you know, and all of that. But I had to figure out that in this uh, forgiveness uh, or being able to forgive someone, that's that you can't be weak when you're forgiving someone. You know, you there's a level um, of strength that you need to be able to forgive someone or to let someone off the hook for offending you. Because guess what? When people offend us, we can we can stand in our in our own, you know, in our own way and say, hey, look at here. You offended me. I have the right to be mad. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to not forgive, you know, and, and people, you know, believe that to a certain degree. But when you're standing in a place of I want to forgive, I want to move forward. I want to love again. I want to laugh again. I want to enjoy you. I want you to enjoy me again. You know, there's a level of strength that it takes to do that. And so, like I said before, I I learned about myself that I was courageous. But that forgiveness, that's a doozy. And so we know that forgiveness, it's not a feeling because Mm -hmm. when I made, it's a decision. Wow. And so I made the decision to forgive myself first. And then I turned around and I made the decision to forgive my husband. And so did I feel like forgiveness when I made that decision? Absolutely not. (laughs) I made a decision to forgive him. And then I would turn around the next day and cry my eyes out and be mad and be cussing mad, you know, and but I I had to keep reminding myself, you made a decision. You made a decision to forgive. Now let's let's do what it takes to live with that decision and to live in that decision. You know what? We're going to live with and live in. That's good. Yeah. Live with it and live in it, you know, because you got to live in it. So we're going to go ahead and, and stop here for a commercial break, but we'll be right back. Do you have a business, brand, or even a creative idea? Power Media Network can help you design a strategy to make your brand impactful. Visit www.powermedianetwork.com today to schedule a free consultation. Power Media Network, next level media. Okay, we're back. Thank you for coming back. Um, and thank you again for joining um, Coffee with Kim, the podcast. And thank you for sharing this time with my husband and I as we. We talk about or we're very transparent about a very difficult uh, situation that took place in our lives some years ago. But I can I can definitely say, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, we are healed. Amen. We are healed. Oh, my God. I love this man more than you guys will ever know. And I know you can't see me, but I'm so animated as I'm talking about him. He is my friend. Mm. He is my friend. 
Um, he's not just my husband. He's not just my pastor. He's not just my lover. He's not just the father of my children, you know, a good provider. But this dude right here is my buddy. He's my friend. We laugh together. We make jokes together. We laugh at each other. We have an awesome relationship, but it was work getting back to it. And the biggest element of that job, because it was a job, it became a full-time job repairing our marriage, that the biggest element of that was forgiveness and real forgiveness and not just forgiveness, but the decision to forgive. Uh, and like I said before, the, the decision to forgive, to, to live with it and to live in it. So I wanted to um, uh, talk a bit here about um, having uh, once you come back from a hard place in your marriage, you know, what are some things that you need to do? What are some things? What are some things you think you need? We People need to do when they're coming back from a hard place in their relationship. Wow. Really stay considerate mm. of the other person because sometimes we let our feelings and emotions react and respond instead of, you know, actually filtering things. I think when we filter things, it's most important that we filter it through the eyes and the ears of uh, what the other person may be thinking or seeing, you mm. know, don't just, you know, I always think, well, I think this, I think that, I, you know, but what is the other person feeling or thinking or even receiving, you know, and there's a way to get the truth over and still have compassion. Mm. Now, I'm just, well, I'm just going to tell the truth. You know, I'm just truth. You know, I hear people say all the time, you know, and it's fun being you talk about all the time. Like sometimes like a lot of people from the Midwest say, well, we just straight up, you know, people in California, y'all fake, y'all just fake. No, you know, uh, I just think we, tend to grace things more, season things more, and not just... <laughs> some. Yeah, some things, you know, mm-hmm. not just throw it out there, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. There's some people that can give it, can't take it. So you True. can throw it, but you can't take it back. It throw it at you, like, whoa, wait a minute, what you, you know. Right. But anyway, I think it's just a real sensitivity of... I want to put it in, in a mindset of landmines, you mm-hmm. know, that can blow up. Watch how you walk. Watch how you move. Be careful. And we talk about walking on eggshells, but it's important that you put the other person and the Bible even talks about it, you know, husband, love your wife, Christ, love the church and gave himself forward, you know, but then also it talks about the wife referencing her husband. So it's almost a competition to make the other person, to build the other person up, if you will, to um, undergird them, to help them as you're helping yourself. One song says, I minister to you, I minister to myself. So I don't see it as just ministering to you or helping you get better. I see it as helping us get better. And I think when you take that mentality versus, you know, either it's all about me or it's all about her because she messed up, she did, she that, and she need to get it together. No, we need to get it together. We need to work on this. Everything, I think if you get that mentality and not a finger pointing, it's your fault anyway, you blew it, you this, you that, you know, we, we can, you know, help each other. You know, Wow, that's great. I think for me um, going forward, um, and I and I love to to teach this and share this with um, with other wives, ladies, 
folks who are in the position, because it's not always the wife that needs to forgive the husband. Sometimes it's the other way around, you know, in all types of relationships. But I think for me, if you are forgiving a person and you, you have made a decision to forgive them, then you've also made a decision not to use um, the offense against them. Um, I think that happens a lot in relationships that are on their way to being prepared. Um, And I think sometimes people feel entitled. They feel like, oh, okay, well, you hurt me and you're the one who caused the problem. You're the one who did the damage. So Mm -hmm. I get to be mad and I get to be nasty and I get to be salty and, you know, Mm -hmm. indifferent. You know, I get to be those things because I'm the poor hurt person. Mm. And I just I I don't know. I, I can't deal with that type of mentality. I feel like if I made a decision that I'm going to forgive you and that we're going to move forward in our relationship and in our marriage, <clears throat> then guess what? That I have to do the work that it's going to take to not only make the decision to forgive you, but to have that that attitude of forgiveness too. Well, I think you say a lot of times you say also to other people that if I'm going to make him miserable, I got to be miserable with him. That's right. And then about that bitter thing, I don't got time to tell that or not, the whole bitter part, that was, that's a deep revelation about not being bitter. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll tell it because we have a little time here. Um, Not long after um, our situation took place, I think I had shared it on part one of the podcast um, that, uh, I went to a women's conference and um, it was an awesome conference. I got a lot of good healing, a lot of good uh, sessions that I went to, a lot of things that were so very helpful to me and my situation at the time. But I remember um, the very last session of this conference, there was a speaker up. And so the speaker got up and she knew a lot of us ladies had come there with our friends, with people we were comfortable with. And so she, the first thing she said when she got up was, she said, I want everyone to get up and change their seats. I want you, I don't want you to sit by the person that you came with. I don't want you, I want you to sit by someone you're not familiar with. So we did, we got up, we moved our seats and everything. It wasn't comfortable, but we did it. And so I sat next to this lady (laughs) And, um, you know, at that time I was feeling good, you know, so I I was actually able to smile and talk and, you know, have some, some sense of joy. And so I looked at her and I smiled and I said, hi, you know, and she looked at me she didn't smile and she said, hi. And so, you know, the, the person got up and they, they spoke and, and they ministered to us and, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, this is so good. Oh my God. You know? (laughs) And she kept saying, tell your neighbor this and tell your neighbor that. And I would look at the lady and tell her, you know, don't do this or, you know, the, you know, this or that, whatever the lady was telling us to tell our neighbor. And she was just like looking at me like, why are you talking to me? I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? So I remember saying to my saying to God, God, why did you sit me next to this lady? She's she's just oh, she is not nice, you know. Why did I have to, I had this great experience. Why did I have to sit next to her? And clear as day, the Lord spoke to me and said, because I wanted you to see what bitter looked like. 
My God. Ooh. I love when you tell that story. That is just amazing. I wanted you to see what bitter looked like. And baby, let me tell you, I was I got cured. You got, you <laughs> got me together. <laughs> I was cured. I was determined that I was not going to be bitter like because the lady, I could tell that she at one time was a beautiful woman. But oh my gosh, she had this dark shroud that just covered her and all her beauty could not show through. And God knew that I did not want to go through life looking like that and being like that. And I pray that whoever she was, I don't even know who she was. If I met her on the street, I wouldn't be able to know that was her. But I pray that she got her healing eventually, you know, because for some people it takes time or she got, you know, her resolve, whatever that whatever the case may be. But at, you know, I was just cured. God had given me that last little push to say, you can do it. When I looked at that lady, I was like, yeah, no, nah, uh-uh. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. And so, you know, like I said, we both said forgiveness played a huge part mm -hmm. in us coming back from relationship trauma. Mm -hmm. We had it. We dealt with it. Mm -hmm. But Lord knows we are better for it much today. Better. And we can help people. We can give them guidance. We have so much wisdom as it relates to relationships and marriage and children and mm -hmm. all these things. It's funny because I think back on some of the things his dad would say, my dad would say, and now it all makes sense. Hmm. Those things make sense. So we're going to bring this, this podcast to a close. Um, but I just want to ask you one more question, Boo. Yeah. One more question. You know, we're in our late 50s. We have I'll be raised. 60 in November. Yeah, yay. <laughs> and we've raised our children. You know, we even have a grandchild. Let me ask you this. This is probably not a question most people in our, you know, we've been married 36 years. Most people don't get asked this question, you know, for the longevity of time that we've been mm -hmm. um, married. Where do you see our marriage in the next five to 10 years? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, we're just about empty nesters right now. Just about. Um, <laughs> we're to the point now where we just laugh because you really don't even cook now. We just go get something to eat. <laughs> we're at that age now. They're like, girl, cook me some more chops and green, you know, like, no. you know whatever. Just chill. Right. And uh, the last little holiday whatever we had i was gonna do a uh, brisket like nah just chill just let's do something else so it's right. like we got the age now was like just real kicking it um yes. i see us taking more trips yeah more exotic trips you know things of that yeah. sort getting out and doing things you know and i just um I, you know and, and helping more couples mm. and we can really do this on a consistent level yes i mean we have some called to be one we do marriage conferences but mm -hmm. the, of course the uh virus has kind of knock that out the park, mm -hmm. you know, we're able to do live ones. Uh, but then also uh, leading as one for, you know, entertainers, athletes, people like mm -hmm. that, and high profile politicians, where, you know, we make sure it's real, very uh, confidential for them. Mm -hmm. But I see you helping more couples, even backing off of pastoring some and kind of mm. preparing more people to take over the pastoral role in our yes. ministry and our church. And I know like he's only 60, yeah, but, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's, you know, want to die in the pulpit, you know, right. he, oh, he was preaching. He just fell dead. I mean, that's happened to several preachers that right. I know of, you know, right. That's not my, uh, I want, the, I want to be my testimony. I want no. to be able to enjoy life 
enjoy some things. Like I say, travel, you know, see the world, you know, and we've seen quite a bit of it, but I mean, even to see more of it, even locally, there's more mm -hmm. in the United States we need to see, you know, but just be able to get away and even just chill at home. Like one yeah. day we were just like, ah, we're just chilling at home. Yeah. What a relief, you know, it's like nothing to do today. We really have a day with absolutely nothing to do, which is almost impossible for us because we right. both got four or five jobs apiece, you know. Yeah. So, you know, uh, loving you, being with you, enjoying you, healthy years. I look forward to our health being, you know, immaculate like it is right now, stable. So I mm -hmm. pray it even gets better, that we take care of ourselves better. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm just loving life right now. Cool. And you? And for me, where, where do I see us in the next five or 10 years? I honestly, hopefully not working on, on the jobs, you know, that we're working on retired and, and having our own businesses running smoothly, having other people working for us. Mm -hmm. And we're able, like you said, to do some traveling mm -hmm. and, and all that. So, you know, hopefully having some other grandchildren and being able to love and spoil them and that type of thing. So again, Thank you for joining me on Coffee with Kim, the podcast. I so appreciate you spending this time with me today. And thank you, babe, for spending this time with me. I know you're a very busy man and you have a lot to do, but you took out time twice to be with me on my podcast. And trust me, I really do appreciate it. Well, of course, with you, it's no limit what I'll do, you know, and then with others who'd like to help other people. Thank you. Right. So again, thank you. Thank you for joining me. And don't forget to join me again for the next podcast. Trust me, every single time we're talking about real deal issues. So until then, take care of yourself. Be safe until we meet again. Mm -hmm.